And I'd like to begin by asking a question. Have you ever been around a leader that has really great insights, really good things to say? How many have you been around a leader that's done that? You're like, yeah, that's what good leaders do. They have good insights. They know how to see things from a different perspective. When you get into a conversation with them, or maybe you're in a meeting at work, they always seem to be able to zoom out and they have a perspective that like maybe you didn't see before. They're insightful. They're smart. They know what to say. They know how to pull themselves out of the situation and figure out what the conversation needs, what the strategy should be. And then they're able to hop back in the conversation and help you and everyone else understand what they're thinking by using language and terms that everybody can understand. This is great leadership because you're using your mind to, do, to lead people. Um, there's very famous people in history that have been able to do this. For instance, Henry Ford from Ford Automobiles. Well, he was really an early pioneer in terms of creating automobiles on an assembly line. And here's what he said. He said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Do you understand that quote? Do you understand what that means? Like people didn't understand what they needed. They were thought, well, we just need faster horses. And he comes along, he's like, no, what you need is an automobile. Or you think of Elon Musk, and he said, he said this. He goes, what makes innovative thinking happen? I think it's really a mindset you have to decide. And if you think about some of the inventions from Elon Musk over the past five to ten years, it's been pretty incredible. He kind of just decides, here's what we're going to build, and how do we backtrack and figure that out? And along the way, he's solved a few of uh, the world's problems, including some things around cars. And uh, recently, we just saw something that, like, he just launched 60 uh, of his first 250 satellites. They're going to put all these satellites around the world. It's going to create a grid, and it's going to provide, like, basically very inexpensive like internet access to the whole planet, which I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So you have innovative people. They can see things. They think from a different way. Uh, and now chances are you and I want to become these kinds of leaders. We want to be able to step into a situation and say, hey, I have the right kind of insight. Hey, I know what to say. Hey, I know how I should be thinking about this. And I strongly believe that the insightful leader, the innovative leader, the smart leader, that is something that can be developed. That is something that you can grow in. You can improve. There is lots of ways to learn. You can go back to school and get your MBA. You can go listen to a few podcasts. You can read a number of really great books. And like, for instance, uh, if you want to grow in the way you think and how to become a more insightful leader, like you can read books like Seth Godin's Lynchpin. I think I have a, a picture of that on the screen. Seth Godin is an amazing writer. He helps you to think outside of the box. Or I think of someone who invented PayPal or LinkedIn. His name is Reed Hoffman. He wrote an awesome book I just finished reading called Blitzscaling. How you, and it helps you to understand how to scale and grow your business. These are the types of books that help you have insight into the way things should grow and work. Or if you want to grow in like your understanding of sociological issues in the world, you should consider a writer like David Brooks, who wrote a couple of really great books. Uh, he's one of my favorite writers at the New York Times. He's an op-ed columnist. He wrote The Social Animal, easily top five books in the last five years I've read, top five books. And then another amazing book he called Bobos in Paradise. How do we understand the rise of the wealth class in America? 
This is great ways to grow and become insightful as a leader. Or I think of Jim Collins, good to great, great by choice, or even Simon Sinek, who says, start with why and leaders eat last. Now, I actually have a lot to say about growing yourself and developing yourself and learning from books and podcasts and going and getting an education because the mind is a terrible thing to waste. But today, I don't want to talk about tips and tricks on how to develop your business mind. I don't want to talk about how to grow in your understanding of sociological phenomenon. I want to talk about something else. Today, I believe there is a deeper issue. There is a foundation that everybody needs in order to develop a mindset that guides us, that helps our decision-making, and helps us to help others no matter the situation. Okay, now what is a mindset? Well, mindset is essentially an established set of attitudes uh, uh, held by someone. And what I want you to understand today is our mindset is developed through what we believe. And actually, it is developed with what we believe even before we do what we do. Our mindset is an amalgamation of all the guiding principles Uh, that actually guide our decision-making. And so let me just give you an illustration. To eat the donut or to not eat the donut? That is the question. Now, what I think about health, what I think about sugar, what do I think about my exercise goals, my fitness goals, how I think about those things helps me to develop a mindset even before I get to the donut at the break room. And I will decide if I eat it or not eat it. It's the same thing in every area of life. Our mindset, what we think about dating, what we think about romance, what's on our top 10 list of what we need from a man or a woman, what we think about work, what we want out of a workplace or a vocation or a calling. This is the, the mindset is where it starts. And that's the thing that guides our actions. Now, also our mindset drives our decisions, and our decisions define us as a leader. So we've been doing the series, and in fact, this is the last day of the series. We've been talking about the leader who's worth following. Now, if you want to be a leader who is worth following, unlike the practical wisdom of our day, there is something different that we need to tap into, a mindset so that we understand what to do in situations with our relationships, with our business life, what we do with our home life, how we think romantically, all those things. We need the ability to zoom out and have insights on what's going on in a particular set of situations in our, in, our, in our world. And the way we do that is different than just the average advice you might get. The Bible actually offers us a very different way For us to develop a mindset and to be able to understand how to grow our relationships, how to think about our work, and all the things that I just mentioned. It will help us with our spiritual growth, our emotional health, and we can have stronger relationships as a result. So I've called today's talk, The Mind of a Leader. I'm going to pray and invite God's presence, and then let's get going. Does that sound good? All right, let's do it. God, we love you, and we thank you that you're here today. Uh, And I ask, God, that you would uh, be with us, that you would help me to speak as I should. And, God, that you would would help us to understand your mind, help us to tap into uh, what you have for us, God. And I ask that each of us would grow to be uh, leaders uh, who have clear vision of what you're doing and a clear mind, uh, just as you have a clear mind. Uh, So I pray that you take my talk and 
and do with it what you want. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so uh, today we're going to be looking at some Bible verses in the book of Romans. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to it, or if you have a phone, you can turn to Romans, or you can follow along on the screen. Now, Romans was a book that was written by a guy named Paul the Apostle. And Paul the Apostle uh, wrote this to the Romans to encourage the Christian church in Rome that was just a little baby church at the time. And he's just sharing with us uh, our need and ability to um, how to develop a mindset. And so here's what we read in Romans 12, verses 1. We read this. It says, Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, we're going to take this line by line, and I'm going to explain it to you. And the first thing I want you to see is that there is a therefore. Therefore, and whenever in the Bible, let me just do a little tip on how to read the Bible. Whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. Does that make sense? Why is it there? Why is the therefore therefore? What is it there for? And what you do is you go back a little bit. And I don't know if you know this, but when the Bible was written, it was written like letters. And like I've written some love letters in my day to my wife. And I've just never do chapter and verse when I write love letters, it's just a letter. In the same way, Paul just wrote a letter, stream of conscience. Here's what I want to say. And so, you know, in the stream of conscience, like they break it up between uh, chapters 11 and 12 in here, but that's not how it was originally written. So you have to go back a couple verses before this, therefore, to understand what it's there for. So let's do that. So this is what it says right before the therefore. It says this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever, ever, never. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. So Paul is saying what? Why did he write the therefore? He's saying that God is wise and God is strong and God has really good ideas. And who's been able to even advise him? How would you go about giving counsel or advising God? You don't need to because he understands everything because he made you. Paul is reasserting the genius of the creator that he's big. He's huge. He's wise. And you think you're smart, but he's smarter. He understands things that you couldn't possibly comprehend. And Paul, to his audience, says, in light of, because of, therefore, in light of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He says, and he says, he says right there, he says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What is Paul saying there when he says, offer your body as a living sacrifice? Paul is reminding his audience that it is through Jesus that God has shown us his love. That God is not only smart, 
He's not only a genius. He not only understands things that we can never comprehend, but he also made it understandable to us by becoming a human being, flesh and blood. He came down into this earth and he showed us that he loved us and ultimately showed us the maximum amount of love by dying in our place on the cross, showing us mercy, showing us his love. He just isn't up far away from his showing us through the supreme sacrifice that he loved us. And you know, it's impossible to show somebody love without showing them or out communicating it through some sort of sacrifice. And Jesus did this. And Jesus' love continues to be shown to us today because he is available to us that anybody who turns to him and says, I welcome you into my life, God will show mercy and love through his son Jesus and say, welcome into the family. You are welcome here. And so what Paul's doing is he's putting this all together. Therefore, because God is a genius and in view of God's mercy, all the wonderful things that Jesus has shown us, he says, he says, become a living sacrifice. He says this, he says exactly. He says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, let me just explain that a living sacrifice is different than a, Dead sacrifice. That's right. Wow, so much feedback. The dead sacrifice dies. So back in the the olden times, people would kill animals to demonstrate a sacrifice. And Jesus demonstrated his ultimate sacrifice by dying in our place. And, and Paul the apostle says, in light of Jesus' ultimate death and resurrection sacrifice, here's what you do. In response to that, offer your body as a living sacrifice. The difference being that you don't die. You don't have to lay it all down and go die today. What he's calling for is a little bit of sacrifice here, a little bit of sacrifice there. The little things you do for your neighbors, the little things for you, you do for your roommate in the area of the kitchen and how you treat your co-workers that are difficult at work. It's the little sacrifices. A living sacrifice means that we serve God and we serve others by putting their needs above our own. And we care about them in a way that we would care about ourselves. Now, I think the best way to understand this whole phrase, which is in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice is this. Tim Keller, he's one of my favorite Christian authors. And he has this really kind of catchy saying about the difference between religion and gospel. And he says this about religion. Religion says, I sacrifice... Therefore, I am accepted by God. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus says, I am accepted by God through what Christ has done. Therefore, I choose to make a sacrifice. And you know, what, what does this mean? I think there's a lot of people who think that they have to sacrifice in view of God's mercy to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. They forget the in view of God's mercy part and they immediately go, all God wants you to do is to sacrifice and to give because he's, because you're afraid of him and you are afraid that if you don't do what God says, then he's going to send you to some fiery furnace where you're going to burn forever. And that's the only reason why you are willing to obey him and make sacrifices because you're scared of him. And what Paul is saying is that's not true. And what Tim Keller is explaining and adding on to what Paul is saying, that is just not the foundation of our relationship with God. It's different. We are not motivated by fear. We are not motivated by pride. We are motivated by love. 
And it is because of Christ's sacrifice and his love on the cross that we are willing to sacrifice for others. It's easier to care about others when you know somebody cares for you. It is extraordinarily easier to go through this life and make sacrifices when you know there is a God over everything that has made a sacrifice for you and that he loves you. So in response to the love and sacrifice you have received, you are free to serve and sacrifice. You are able to not have to do your way all the time. You are free to let others go up the escalator in life ahead of you because you have experienced the radical love and sacrifice of Jesus. And now, friend, let me tell you something. The reason some of you in this room don't understand why Christians are willing to make sacrifices is because you haven't understood this truth. You haven't come to the understanding that the way the Christian religion works differently than religion is because it is motivated by love. It is in response to what God has already done. And the reason you struggle to figure out why would I come to this thing? Why would I come on a morning? Why would I give money to the poor? Why would I give money to? Why would I? Because you have failed to recognize that it is not fear or pride that motivates a Christian. It is love. And until you have an encounter with Jesus where the spirit of God in a supernatural way begins to speak to your heart and your mind that you are loved by God, not because of anything that you have done, but because he loves you just because you will not be able to understand this idea of sacrifice. And I encourage you, what is keeping you back? There is a God who loves you and welcomes you into relationship today. And all you need to do is ask. That's all you need to do. I welcome Jesus. I welcome you into my life. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will do something in you. And you will be able to experience a different kind of connection to God that results in you being able to do the good kinds of things you want to do in this world. Amen? Um, I should just stop right there. I felt like that was a good ending. But... There's more to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so once we've understand, once we've understood that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice because God has already shown his love and his sacrifice to us, now we see something amazing. This is where Paul starts to, remember we, we just started talking about mindset and developing our mind and what God's doing with our minds and all this stuff. Um, he says this, he says, uh, but we, before we get to that, we have one more part. And it's this, and this is Romans 12. And it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship. What? Worship? What is this? Well, what does worship actually mean? Worship is our response to God's extravagant love. Some might even say God's extravagant grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. The worship is our response to the wonderful things that God has done. Now, when you hear the word worship, what do you think? Most of us think of music. Most of us think of the cute 20, um, uh, Judah up here, the cute kid Judah. I don't know why. <laughs> He's just a cute kid. He's just a cute. I'm allowed to say I'm an old man. He's just a cute kid. So you think of Judah up here doing his thing and you've got Angie and you've got Kamari and you've got everyone else who stands behind them. You got Rick over there. Uh, others. Um, you got Will, William. And um, 
And you think of like people just singing songs and you think of like worship is just music and you're like, yes, God, I worship you. And when you get really spiritual, for some reason, you develop a British accent. I found uh, in, in, I don't know if you've noticed that when people are really like, yes, Lord, all of a sudden they become British. And we're like, what did that happen? So you think of worship as singing to God. We need to worship more. And you might even read this verse and you say, you're worship. God's calling us to worship. We got to sing more. And so for some of you, that is really bad news because you're terrible singers. And so what I want to do is relieve you of that notion. What we see here is that worship isn't really connected to music, although it's very important. Worship is something that we do, not just with our voices. Worship is something that we do with our lives. It's different. Paul comes into the situation and he like takes the box. He just kicks it open. He's like, hey, it ain't about music. It's about your life. Do you want to know how to worship? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice because you know what? That's worship. That's real worship. The whole box gets blown up. So what does this mean? When you go to OPCC with Ryan Church and you feed the homeless, that's worship to God. And when you... Uh, come early and help us set up at this church. Like you get us all set up. This just didn't pop up like uh, out of nowhere. We didn't ask the principal to set up this juice. Like that happens from volunteers. When you come early or when you stay late to help us set up or help us take down, that's worship to God. When you are the last to leave a, your Memorial Day party that you were invited to, not because you're trying to meet up with some lady friend, but because you're actually trying to help the host clean up, that's worship to God. And when you pick up anybody who's a friend from LAX during rush hour just so you can get them back to their house to move a mattress across the 405 during traffic. That is the absolute expression of worship to God. All right. All right. What we do to serve others and to serve God is worship to God. And let me, so it's it's huge. Yeah. So the way we do this, so it says, Look at this. Uh, I'm going to transition. I'm so excited. I lost my place. I said, I know. Let me. It's. It says, um, yeah. So our mind is renewed through worship. Our uh, that, that that our mindset is renewed through worship. And what Paul is saying is that worship is the key to developing a new mindset. Worship is the way. We get a new mind. Uh, look at verse uh, 2 with me. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love this because it says, do not conform, but be transformed. You know, in our world, there's a lot of conforming. There's a lot of you need, and you would think like in L.A., this is like the land of the free. Just invent your own life and do what you see fit. But there's a lot of things you have to do to fit in here. In a lot of ways, it's a very religious city, even though it's not a religious city. If you doubt what I'm saying, just go to any group fitness class. You have to conform to fit in there. Or anything else that we have to do. There's a lot of conforming. You have to do this. You have to say this. You have to have this kind of car. You have to make this kind of income. Some of you who are single need to be married by this time. And those of you who are married need to figure out how to have this many kids. 2.5 kids. I don't know how you're going to have the half kid, but you got to figure it out. you got to do all these things. You have to fit in. You have to conform. The, the, not only that, the world says there's a collective here. You need to push your way to the top. 
You need to do what works best for you. You need, who cares if your choices hurt other people? You need to get ahead. You've got to look inside to figure out who you are. You can't look outside at all. You just need to search inside yourself to figure out who you are. And the Bible and Paul says, no way. Our mindset is not renewed by conforming to the pattern of this world. It's renewed. Your mind is renewed when you worship God. Paul is saying that in order to develop a new mindset, in order to be able to zoom out and have a point of view that others don't have, to really connect in a way with other people that offers value in a situation at work or in a relationship, worship is the way we develop a new mindset. The worship is the way we begin to think differently about the world. Worship is the way we clear out of the fog of not knowing what to do. Worship helps us to see things from a clearer perspective. It it gives us the pathway to change in our minds and our hearts and in everything we do. And especially to grow as a leader. Um, You know, it's really... um, the way we do this, I mean, it's, it's, you plug in. It's kind of like a lamp. I want you to imagine a lamp that's not plugged in. There's no power. There's no light. And when we plug in the plug into the outlet and you turn on the light, the light is supposed to work. And when the light comes on, you're like, okay, that's the way it is. And that is the way it works with having a mindset with God. To understanding what God wants to do in this world. You plug into him. And the way you do that, the way you plug in is through worship. You need spiritual eyes to see what God is doing around you. And the way you do that is you get your eyes off of yourself. And one thing I want to add here is that like, notice that he doesn't say, Paul doesn't say, okay, you've got to like, you've got to like go and be alone for a while and then maybe play on your phone and then like just kind of get into solitude or, or, you know, whatever. And there's a time and a place for that. But the way to renewed mind doesn't start with pulling back forever and ever and ever. It starts with getting off of yourself, getting your eyes off of yourself, getting your thoughts off of yourself and getting them on something and someone else. And that person is Jesus. And when you worship, this is, this is like the, this is like the secret sauce right here. When you worship God, whether it's through singing or whether you're worshiping God through your actions and serving others, offering your body as a living sacrifice. When you worship, when your eyes are off of yourself, something happens that's supernatural. A transaction actually takes place where God downloads his will to you so you understand what you're supposed to do with your life. That you know what you're supposed to do with that particular relationship. You know what you're supposed to do in the given difficult situation. It doesn't happen the other way around. It doesn't happen with like, I'm just going to sit around and then maybe go worship as a response. But like when we get our eyes off of ourselves and we worship, we are no longer conforming to this world. We are transformed. The transformation doesn't actually happen from us. We just position ourselves through worship. The transformation happens by the power of the Holy Spirit going into your mind and going into your heart and giving you what you need. Does this make sense? Am I, am I super clear? Some of you, some of you need clarity about a decision in your life. Your way is worship. The way to get that clarity is through worship. 
Some of you have a difficult relationship in your life. You don't know what to do. Worship is your way forward. Some of you are struggling with your purpose in life. Worship is your way forward. Some of you are doing really well. You're not down and out. You're up and out. Things are going well. You've got the car. You've got the thing. You've got the job. You've got all these things. You can walk into any room and people love you, but you don't know what to quite do with it. Worship is your way to the renewed mind, to understand what you're supposed to do. It's when you get your eyes off yourself and onto Jesus, the transformation, the spiritual transformation takes place. This is why Peck City has offered uh, regular worship nights here, because it's important for us to not only serve and to worship people through our actions, but to also go to like just worship God on a regular basis. This is why we worship on Sunday mornings. This is not just a way for us to feel good here today. This is about getting our eyes off of ourselves and onto God so that he can begin to do a work in us. Um, So now I'm going to put all this together for you. As our minds are renewed through worship, what happens? What are the benefits of the renewed mind? Well, we read at the end of this verse, let me read the whole thing for you. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then... You will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our mindset is renewed, which leads to understanding God's will. There is a benefit to worshiping God. There is a benefit in response to all the good things that God has done for us already. There is a benefit to sacrifice. We get a picture of God's will. And this is a benefit that some of us just don't access. We just don't go for it. Now, um, as, we've got, as Nicole and I have gotten older, we have gotten some uh, cre- credit cards. Some of them are more fancy than the others. And we always just, we always, we never like keep a balance. We always pay it off each month. I just say that as a disclaimer. So don't get a credit card and rack up a bunch of debt and then email me like, you told me to do this. I didn't tell you to do this. So anyway, so we have a credit card. We pay it off each month. And um, one of the benefits on these credit cards is like we can go to some airport lounges. Like we just show this card and we never know if it's going to work. We're like, here's the card. Can I get in? And they're like, yeah, you can come in. So you come in and you get that benefit. Or like if you buy, if you go to a restaurant and you use the card, you get like three points for every dollar you spend or something like that. Um, and it's a benefit. And that benefits, uh, that turns into like money that's back in your cards. So every credit card has benefits. Now, not every person takes advantage of those benefits. And it's my choice whether I want to use those benefits and take full advantage of them or not. In the same way, God offers us benefits to being connected to him. Not only are we made right with God through Jesus Christ, not only are we connected to the smartest being in the entire universe, not only are our minds renewed so we have insight, we will also be able to test and approve what God's will is. We'll be able to be tapped into the way the world works and the way we need to operate within it because we will be tapped into the supernatural power of God. And what he is saying here is, God's will, to know God's will is amazing. It is to know what we're supposed to do in every situation. If we know God's will, if we can hear God's voice, everything else 
is rock and roll. This is why we like our favorite Eric Amos, who leads us with a team of people to do listening prayer, to understand God's will. When you understand his will, we are perfectly positioned to experience the things and know what to say and to do and develop insights that we need to develop. And so if you want to become a leader worth following, you need to develop a mindset that isn't just from reading more books or spending time with people who are really smart. There is a mindset that comes from above and that mindset comes when we get our eyes off of ourselves and we worship God. And in that there is a transaction that is supernatural that helps us to know what God's will is. Do you want to know what to say in the meeting? Do you want to know what to do at work? Do you want to have insight into the kind of decisions you need to make in the next five years? Do you want to know if you should break up or not break up with that person? Do you want to know how you should have the difficult conversation with your spouse about how they've been treating you lately? Do you want to know? It starts with getting your eyes off yourself. It starts with connecting to the renewed mind, which comes from worship from God. And so I give that to you today. There's something that's right here. All you need to do is take it. And how do you take it? Just worship. Just worship and something will happen to you. God will give you everything that you need. Amen? Why don't you all stand for a minute?